I hope you guys all listened to the game review episode already. If you haven't, go check that out. I think I described it pretty good. Clunky win. Uh, Very clunky first half there uh, to start on defense, of course. Two big plays by Tennessee. Offense, you know, you can see it was going. But that turnover by Copeland right there before halftime there. So just, you know, clunky first first half, but uh, putting it together the second half there for the Gators. Weird, Tennessee wins don't mean what they used to mean. Still good, you know, still a rivalry for some just because of everything that happened back in the 90s. But, uh, you know, that one that doesn't, doesn't feel like it used to. Still a good win there. I think Tony Aguilini said it best. He was I was watching the game with him there in the swamp. He said, you know, it feels like a Kentucky win used to. That's how we feel about Tennessee now. I mean, you know, Heupel's a good coach. You know what I mean, I don't, I don't think he's anything special. Um, you know, I don't UCF got worse every year under him, so not sure the progression of him at Tennessee. But uh, he's definitely made a difference on the offensive side of the ball, which is that's what he was brought in there for. I don't know why he didn't go with Hendon Hooker more and earlier than uh, Joe Milton. And Hooker just a little more consistent uh, when you look at what they've done this season, what they did versus Florida. Uh, Milton, when he was in the game, kind of showed um, why I think Hooker should be the guy there for Tennessee. That was the – Milton just can't hit anything. Uh, that's just what they've shown. Maybe maybe Heifel fell in love with the big play uh, in, in fall camp and everything shown there. But Hooker's just been the more consistent guy for them. There. And I think that's what we we saw a little, that little bit of that on Saturday. It wasn't really all that consistent versus Florida. I mean, like a, more consistent than Milton would have been. But you know, lived lived off the big plays there, and of course, uh, the way Florida plays defense a little bit, just some easy throws in there, easier than they probably should be. Uh, but you know, those busted plays uh, were really the only thing keep Tennessee in it, which was my worry uh, going into the game. And they could drive up and down the field on Florida. Uh, that's pretty much how it played out there. Um, do you know, yeah, maybe some pass for some of the big plays there. Uh, as far as you know, maybe as far as the coaching side of it goes, just because there's some young guys out there now. You know, those are issues we've seen a whole lot, no matter who's been out there. But when mostly the veterans have been out there this year, you haven't seen that big busted play uh, too much, and definitely saw it. I mean, the first one. You know, Bernie's got to make that tackle. Torrance has got to make that tackle. Um, there wasn't that many tackling issues uh, the first couple weeks of the season, but now that we've seen competition ramp up, uh, you're starting to see that creep up, at least earlier in the games. Um, I, don't know, I, I don't even know why it takes them a while to settle down in that regard. I mean, you got to go out there and make a tackle. I mean, it's a, I, you're getting, you, know, you can't sit here and tell me every week got to get used to the speed of the game or got to get used to the – you know, physicality in the game. I mean, this is a, you know, every every week thing. You can't be can't be starting slow in that regard. But, you know, guys got to make the tackle. Be in position, make the tackle. Uh, but that's just a, another reoccurring issue here uh, when the talent level is, uh, you know, much better than the FAUs and USFs of the world. Seen it two weeks now at the beginning of games where not making the tackle, in position to make some plays, not making those plays. 
Um, and then the McDaniel just man coverage. And for whatever reason, it's looking into the backfield. No reason whatsoever to be looking in the backfield. Uh, so chalk that up, hopefully, to a young mistake, you know, a young player mistake. Get better in the film room. You know, learn, learn from that. That's what you have to do uh, in that regard uh, with a young player there. Um, and you hope. I think the biggest thing, you know, and, and taking it in that regard and looking at what was going on in that game without Elam back there. I mean, you have to, you have to use this game as a, uh, as a launching point, a teaching moment uh, for these young guys, you know, Marshall and Helm. And I thought they held up pretty well um, for, for, for most part of the game. The big plays weren't uh, on them as maybe you would have expected those guys making, you know, out, out there with Elam, uh, making their first career starts together. Uh, when, when you look at it that way, uh, I thought they played pretty well. Uh, and it was just uh, safety play and Torrance, McDaniel. Uh, they showed thought trading had a pretty good game uh, there. But, you know, I, I want to go back and look at it. I'm going to try and do a rewatch today. But there could have been times out there when, you know, if, if Dean wasn't out there, you're without Dean, you're without Elam, and you, you're filled with a whole bunch of young guys back there, Hellman, Marshall, and Torrance, and McDaniel, guys who haven't played a whole lot of football, or at least if you want to take it a little bit further than that, a whole lot of football together. I mean, so, so Florida was very young and inexperienced back there on the back end uh, at points in the game. So I want to go back and look and see how much I mean, like, throw Elijah Blades into that. I mean, he's got plenty of ACC experience uh, being at Texas A&M as well, but still not experienced with these guys and, and not the experience in orange and blue. So um, go back and look and see how much those players were all in the field together uh, there without, you know, the leadership and the experience of a Trey Dean and, and a Kyrie Elam. So hopefully uh, a learning experience for those guys. Uh, you're going to be able to have to, you're going to have to count them at some point in the season uh, and know a, a good learning experience for those guys who are probably going to be your, you know, main guys in the back defensive backfield next year. Uh, they're still getting some early season experience here in 2021 uh, in, in a SEC environment, a team that likes to run up tempo and a team that likes to throw the ball. Uh, there for Tennessee, so you hope uh, take uh, take all the all the learning experiences that come with Saturday night and, and move forward with it. But um, just gotta one more time, you know, find a way. Find, hopefully, this is not going to be a broken record every week, but find a way to you know to start better. Uh, and it doesn't matter what the circumstance is. I mean, is this going to just be? We're just disconsistent, and I know we can sit here and say, and I'll sit here and say, yeah, you know, you got guys are in position to make plays, guys need to make tackles and stuff, but it's still a consistent issue with this defensive staff, uh, no, no matter what. I mean, so are you are, are you teaching it the right way behind the scenes? Is the defense is the defense too complicated for for, for young players? I and mean, we've seen young players come in, and not not many. You know, Elam was pretty much ready to go as a freshman uh, there, and I think Marshall and Helm are, are, are learning along the way. And like I said, I thought played pretty good on Saturday night. Um, but, you know, we got to, you got, you got to figure out, you know, what the preparation part of this is uh, with Todd Grantham's defense that just does not seem to translate early in games. Uh, so I don't know. Uh, we don't know the answer to that. Just besides the fact that it's just been a consistent issue under in Todd Grantham's career. Uh, and certainly uh, what we see at Florida uh, going year by year now is just uh, not being able to, 
get off to these fast starts uh, for this defense. And it doesn't mean it, and it seems sometimes it's just different reasons. Sometimes you look and say, well, you know, it's the scheme and guys playing too far off. It's easy pitch and catch for guys uh, for, for an opposing offense. And that's certainly valid. Another time, okay, well, the guys are actually in position this time and don't make the play. It's never, it doesn't seem to be just one consistent issue that you can point to now. It's just, it, it changes every now and then uh, from what the reasoning is. So, but the one, the one constant is this defensive staff. And I don't know. It's uh, it's just hard to pinpoint what the exact issue is just by say it, besides saying just the wide blanket excuse of, well, you know, it's Todd Manson. I mean, there has to be reasons uh, out there and the, the the teaching and the experience and trying to learn this defense. I mean, it is a complicated defense. I've been told that you know by plenty of people uh, around the program, close to the program, that it, this is a complex defense, and maybe that's the adjustment that's needed, but I don't think that's an adjustment the staff's really going to make uh, all that much. They're going to fit you in to try and do what they want to do. And, you know, we've seen – first couple weeks of the season Perkins out there making plays being an aggressive player in the backfield in the last two the last couple of weeks has looked lost at times looks confused uh, at times versus Bama and, and Tennessee pre-snap and you know during the play as well uh, and you can't have that and I think that's why we've, we've seen Travis Johnson out there uh, more in the SEC play so far is um, at least pre-snap knowing where he's supposed to be and knowing his assignment now, making the play is a whole different story, and we've seen some inconsistency there in, in, in tackling. Um, but he, he got better as the Bama game went on um, and uh, could probably be a little more physical overall uh, when, when you look at it. But uh, that's you know, a, a player that we were pretty impressed with early in the season in Jadarius Perkins haven't necessarily seen a whole lot the last couple of weeks. And confusion, definitely part of that. But yeah, definitely want to go back on the rewatch. It's a creep we watch yesterday morning. Uh, just you know, notes for the uh, review podcast. But uh, I want to go back and just kind of focus in more on the secondary. See who was out there a whole lot together. Who wasn't. Who, um, you know, I know Blades come in and played on like the third drive of the game. It's the first time I, I had noticed him out there. I don't know if he was out there any part of the first, second drive. I know Hellman and Marshall were the announced starters. Um, so I have to go back and look and see if the third drive was when Blaze came in for the first time. Uh, but I mean, he he was a little physical there, and that that one run Tennessee had um, on the outside, Florida didn't set the edge very well. Uh, Tennessee gets a you know, pretty big chunk yardage run, but at the end of that run, you know, Blade just Blaze just waylays uh, the running back going out of bounds. So I like that physicality there uh, coming for him. So I just want to go back, kind kind of look and see. Uh, what we noticed uh, from Helm and Marshall and Blaze, it didn't seem like those guys were giving up too much in the passing game. Uh, when you go back and look at it, you know, there's just those big chunk plays early on came from uh, missed tackles with Bernie and, and, and then safety play uh, end up with Torrance not making that tackle. And then also later on with a big play given up by McDaniel. So secondary is something different we're to focus on. But guys, uh, come on, get in here. If you want to. Give me your thoughts. Looking back at Tennessee, looking back at the week of college football, maybe a peek ahead towards Kentucky. Coming up this week, big game for the Gators, of course. Emory Jones, first road start coming up. We'll see everything that comes from that. But get MJ in here. 
Hey, Dave. Always a pleasure. Thanks, man. Um, you know, um, I got to give credit to Josh Heupel because I was not expecting that team to be as ready as they were. So kudos to that. And I'm glad that um, running back is also, a, I think it was a Juco transfer. What was his name? Uh, uh, so there was Small and was that him? And um, I think so. Yeah. 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 Well, I'm glad hopefully he's gone this, this year. But <laughs> in any case, um, no, I thought the team did well. But yeah, to your uh, point, like with the secondary and stuff, I mean, We'll see, but uh, I guess if anything, uh, some positives. EJ looked really good. Do you see some things that he did well this week, and maybe not previous weeks? Oh, what? Who, who was that? Emory Jones. Emory. Yeah, I mean, uh, I, I pointed it out there at the game. Throw it over the middle of the field. I mean, you go back to the first game of the season, and he wasn't hitting anything over the middle of the field, at least with any kind of accuracy, and just the kind of intermediate. Uh, medium depth throws. I mean, the throws were behind. The throws were low. Uh, he's gotten better in that regard. He's starting to hit those throws over the middle now just a bit, too. And uh, so a lot of confidence, uh, I, I think, moving from these last couple of weeks from Emory Jones once the SEC play starts. And do I, I do believe some of it was the first couple of weeks not really game planning all that much and um, even still maybe even putting him in some situations. You want to see how he responds. Uh, now, that didn't excuse some of the play that we saw from Emory the first couple of weeks. You know, there, I think there was some pressing and – uh, some definitely the, the, and the timing still not fully there. The timing has gotten better as well. I'd still like to see the tick faster, especially when to take off and run a little bit. Uh, there were some, I mean, there was a couple more plays where he just would have had so many more yards. How he just tuck and ran. Uh, now I know, you know, you, uh, being a quarterback, you want to make the throw and I'm always, uh, you know, try and make the, the throw first guy. Uh, but, when you're a little late on making that decision, if you can make that decision just a bit faster, whether you're going to throw it or take off and run, that, that's just where it is right now. I think the timing has gotten better. He's gotten better in that regard, but I think it's just still a little hair behind uh, where you want it to be. But I think that's what just these game reps are doing for you. I think these game reps, he, he's really taking these game reps and learning from them. That's why he's gotten better. Uh, and I've said this before, look, developing a good quarterback is not cookie cutter uh, for each program and maybe not even cookie cutter for, for, for Dan Mullen. We know he doesn't like to throw young guys out there. Um, that's just been a staple of his career. Uh, Emory's finally getting his turn. And look, I mean, that maybe there's you know, just a lot of pressure on Emory to, to begin with that maybe he put on himself. Uh, and, you know, there's a there, there's pressure of being the, the, the Florida Gator quarterback that just comes with being uh, the Florida Gator quarterback. Uh, and maybe he just needed these game reps. Maybe that maybe that's what it was. Maybe that was a final step for Emory. Maybe uh, all the all the film watching and and, and learning from 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 Franks and Traska through, through the years, uh, all that's good, well and good. Uh, and he took that and ran with it. But maybe just that final step was just getting these game reps. So you say it's not the same for every quarterback. Some quarterbacks are are more ready to go as true freshmen and and young quarterbacks. Some guys maybe need a little more seasoning and need all the experience they can get before it all comes together. Uh, maybe that's what we're seeing and hopefully seeing with Emory Jones. Awesome, Dave. Um, I mean, that's all I can think of outside of maybe looking ahead against Kentucky. Is there anything that maybe you are worried about that we saw this week that could show up next week? Um, I'd so I think say... Some, like delay games, stuff like that. I mean, it didn't seem like the offense was – going as fast as they could, especially if they go on the road. Yeah, you know, the, the, the tempo showed up more in the second half for this offense, so at least on a more consistent basis. Uh, I think you could say, um, you know, this, uh, the, the worry is the first road start. I mean, this is the first road start for Emory Jones. 
Uh, think of a player like Xavier Henderson as well. Uh, when you go back and he, he was a true freshman last year, uh, got the experience, but he hasn't played in an atmosphere like this. You go through 2020 in the COVID season, there was no stadium that's going to be as raucous uh, as what we'll see in Kentucky uh, Saturday night. So there's going to be some young players also out there making their first big road start in that type of environment. But so um, I think it's good that Florida's had about you know, four games, about a month now. We've seen communication not be great at times at home. Uh, you know, when you know, Florida panicked trying to get a play call in or you know, even a two-point conversion a couple weeks ago, so many short yardage plays. We'll see if Florida can uh, get a little more in tune uh, in, in that regard. But, uh, you know, you've, you have seen what, what I like and what I think will translate. You haven't seen Florida huddle a whole they They, they, they run a play. Uh, now they may take their time, but they're not necessarily huddle, huddling up and all that. So a lot of that's commu communication, signs coming off the sideline, uh, and guys knowing what they're doing. Of course, you know, it's not breaking news that this is a road game this week. So they'll work on that type of stuff uh, to get ready for it. But, you know, you'll have to see how the team responds uh, here, making uh, Emory Jones making his first road start. We saw uh, it take some time for him to finally, you know, get, get his first start and get his feet wet and feel comfortable uh, in that regard. So hopefully this is not a step back, you know, because you're going on the road uh hopefully you take everything you've learned these first four games and, and continue uh to impress here uh as far as kentucky goes it hasn't looked great the last couple weeks um chattanooga gave them a run for their money maybe even should have beat them a couple weeks ago after after kentucky beat missouri um they were in a kind of dog fight with south carolina uh this past week as well uh will levis is uh their transfer from penn state uh, I was talking on Gators Breakdown Plus last night, and uh, there's, there's some familiarity uh, with Levis from Antonio Shelton and Valentino coming from Penn State there. Uh, Justin Shorter as well. They've played with Levis uh, back to their days at Penn State. So not that you can take a whole lot from that, but maybe some tendencies there that those guys notice that might make some small advantage. I'm not going to sit here and over-exaggerate that, but there is some familiarity there uh, with some of the Penn State transfers that Florida has gotten and then Levis going to Kentucky as well. So um, a neat little storyline there for, for the connection of uh, Valentino and Justin Shorter uh, to go along with Levis there at Kentucky. So uh, I, don't, I think he's been throwing some interceptions uh, lately, if I, I think I heard that right. Uh, so we'll see if this Florida defense can, um, you know, force any kind of uh, turnovers. You know, interceptions haven't necessarily been too friendly uh, there, and it's not necessarily because of tight coverage or seeing anything. You know, Elam got his, and it was pretty, pretty bad throw uh, by the quarterback. Uh, you know, could probably give that to the pressure there for Florida up front, but Elam in position to make that. But you know, how often do you see a Florida DB breaking on the ball? for an interception. Uh, you know, the Cox had the one, basically the one versus Bama, but basically a pass that was just thrown right to him. Uh, it's very rare you see a, a Florida defensive back reacting to a pass and maybe having a chance for a pick. Uh, it is just, for whatever reason, just very kind of – and we know the kind of conservative play back there. You don't, you're, you're not getting that type of coverage that lends itself to those type of uh, interceptions there. So, you know, we'll see, uh, go and look at uh, Levis and how he plays. And, you know, is it inaccuracy interceptions or is it basically the defense making plays to get those interceptions? So that's something I, I want to go back and 
uh, look at this week and see in, in a little bit of preparation for, for, for Kentucky. So, you know, they'll be ready. Uh, I can say they probably have been looking forward to this game. I'm not going to sit here and say that's the reason for their lackluster, sloppy performances the last couple of weeks. Uh, but we know uh, when, when that Missouri game went final that this was going to be the game they were circling on the calendar next. But, you know, you had an SEC game in South Carolina this past week, too. You know, and Kentucky's not the type of program that can sit there and say, oh, we'll overlook South Carolina to get ready for Florida. Uh, they're not at that level. Uh, so I'm not going to give them a little bit of credit for having a close game versus South Carolina by saying they were looking ahead to Florida. Man, um, yeah, of course, I think they are looking for the game against Florida, but not necessarily looking ahead to the game against Florida. So we'll see what it all means. Uh, there, I think it'll be – I think it'll be a tough game uh, there for, 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 for Florida, but I still think plenty of advantages there for the Gators as we uh, are about, you know, five days away from that game. Cool. All right. Well, appreciate your help, Dave. And, uh, yeah, keep uh, doing what you're doing. Thanks, man. All right. All right, guys, get a few more of you in here. If you want to hop in, have a little bit of conversation here. Man, I'll just tell you what, I, uh, this, this run game, uh, I'm, it's, uh, I know the hot topic last week was just a change in identity for Dan Mullen and, and this offense, but, you know, kudos one more time, just complete difference of a, of an offense and getting in here and still having one of the nation's best offenses overall when you look at it. What's up, Bull Gator? Okay. All right, who we got in here now? Good morning, Dave. Hey, good morning, man. Hey, um, I I just have a question. I mean, I know it's trendy to go after Grantham, and I thought he deserved everything he got last year. But in the uh, first quarter of the Alabama game and at the beginning of the uh, Tennessee game, I felt it was more, you know, I think the people, the players were in a position to um, make the play and failed to do it, which, you know, let's face it, Grantham isn't going to be making any tackles out there, even if he was stepping on the field. But, uh, you know, some of it has to fall on the players. I think they cleaned it up, and I think it's something that's incredibly fixable, especially, you know, the the safety, uh, McDaniel, when he was cheating in on that, on that one, and the guy was just incredibly open. But um, it just seems to me like the – that those are more minor things that could be fixable and it was more on bad tackling as opposed to a bad scheme. I mean, when, when there apparently there were some discussions afterwards, because let's face it, we pitched a shutout in the second mm -hmm. half um, and then obviously tightened up in the Alabama game. So I don't, I think the defense is way past where it was last year because last year I've been watching the Gators for, 55 years now but last year was probably the I, i've been a season ticket holder for 25 of them and i think last year was the worst defense i had seen in the 25 years i had been a season ticket holder but i think the defense has come a long way i think the line is really good i think both lines are incredible um but i think the secondary has had some hiccups and maybe a little bit on the coverage by some of the linebackers but I think that's something that's very fixable. And um, and I think, you know, we played without Kiar last week. And when we get him back, that obviously upgrades our secondary right away. 
Yeah, yeah, I spoke on that just a little bit to to begin with, and it is you know very interesting here. You know, when you look at uh, Grantham in in twenty twenty and the Grantham defense this year, it, it is better. Uh, and I would rather see what we're seeing right now, guys in position and not making the play. Uh, the only issue is I, I still think some of those are, are consistent issues under Todd Grantham. And how much can we pin on pin that on him? You know, the, the lack of tackling, the lack of physicality to start games. No, you, you're right. They eventually figure it out. They get better. You don't see as many missed tackles throughout the rest of the game. Uh, but what is it that lends itself to these you know slower starts, whether it be – um, the mindset, the physicality part of it, you know, we're seeing that uh, versus Alabama. We're seeing that versus Tennessee. But, you know, last year in 2020, I said to be as bad as you were on defense, that took a combination of bad play from the players and bad coaching. Uh, and oh, I fully, exactly, yeah, I fully exactly, agree with that assessment. Yeah, but that's exactly on, what on, we got. Uh, but this year, I do agree with you that it does seem the – the scheme is a, a, a little better this year as far as getting guys in position. But also, you know, you these are the guys you've recruited. Those are the guys you've developed. This is, you know, these guys are playing in your defense, and it's still some of the same issues that are creeping up as far as the uh, taking poor angles and, and, and making tackles. So it is hard to determine how much you could put on the players in, in that regard and, you know, compare that and weigh it and put it on the scale versus – a consistent issue with a Todd Grantham defense. Uh, but you're right. I mean, how, how much more can you ask to put the guys in position and how much more do you put on them to say, all right, well, you're in position. It's up to you to make the play versus the development that comes along with that for those guys to actually make the play. Right. Now on a positive, um, and I've, I've been very happy with uh, so far this season, um, you know, even despite the loss with Alabama, but I've always been a believer that, you build championship teams from the lines out. And I am incredibly impressed with our offensive line. I mean, they were a very good pass blocking team last year and the, and the run game did pretty well when, when we used, but it wasn't as consistent. We have an incredible running back room, but our offensive line is performing top notch. And to go from a number one passing team one year to the number three passing or number three rushing team. And the only two teams ahead of us, are Air Force and Army who, you know, yeah. they make their money <laughs> on the run game. <laughs> and uh, But to be in a traditional running team and be up where we are, that's insane. Um, I, I, just, I just think I can't say enough about our offensive line and the running backs. And I got to tell you, Wright has impressed me as much as I like all of our running backs. I am incredibly impressed with Naquan Wright. I mean, I tell you, they, they all bring something to the table, you know, and they've all had their moments this year. That's another thing I like seeing, too. I mean, I, I, not trying to toot my own horn or anything less than that. I mean, I was trying to say I, I didn't want to fully give up on the capability of this run game com, coming into this season. I, I thought there was a chance. Now, don't get me wrong, they are even better than I thought they'd be. Like, I, I thought they'd be good. I, I did not expect this. I did not expect this big of a jump uh, there from the offensive line. But, I mean, and, and you found now seven guys you can really count on. You got your starting five. You got Braun and, and Tarquin now who are getting a lot of playing time and Braun getting a start because Reek's being out. I mean, they have found seven guys that they can you know, really count on there. Maybe now even an eighth with uh, Rich Leonard uh, coming in for Kingsley who went down with a, co- you know, a couple times in the game. So, 
I mean, you, you, you're starting to, to find some depth there, too, and a lot of it's just because that's this, this is the offense the coaching staff knows. You know, Dan Mullen spoke on that a couple of weeks ago. They, just, they they know the ins and outs of this offense when they can run it this way, and they know how to take advantage of the talent they have. Um, you know, I was – I was a little bit higher on these running backs, too, because uh, I thought this jump in production from the offensive line would help these guys. But uh, maybe you know, their confidence got shot just a little bit the last couple of years, too, uh, when looking at the, the, the run blocking and how it just wasn't anywhere near what it needed to be and nowhere near what it is right now. Uh, you know, there were, there, and there were times the running backs were missing holes and holes were there and stuff last year. But now you're seeing – uh, with, uh, I think, some confidence in the guys up front. You're seeing Davis and Wright and uh, Pierce. I mean, a couple, a couple of those moves Pierce made the other night. Uh, I think one was on a pass catch and making a defender miss, and then one was a, a, a run out wide and, you know, a little juke, and he's, he's getting some extra yardage. I mean, the, Damian Pierce is showing a little bit of uh, nimbleness and shiftiness that I'm not sure we remember him having uh, in, in that regard. But, uh, yeah, Naquan Wright in the last couple of weeks has really had uh, you know, uh, at least one drive. He's had a, a lot of runs uh, there that you could point to. But there's just like one drive a game where he just kind of takes over uh, and, and shows what he can do. I mean, Malik Davis had another drive where he kind of just took over as well uh, in this game versus Tennessee. But I, I like what these guys bring to the table. And, you know, I know we all like to see Lingard and we all like to see Bowman a little bit more and, you know, maybe that can lend itself if Florida gets up big in games and you can throw out those guys there in the fourth quarter uh, a bit more. But uh, it's hard to complain what we're seeing from these three veterans right now. Thank you very much. Thanks, man. Hey, Bulgeta. Hey, Dave. Good morning. Sorry, I uh, morning. didn't realize my phone had a mute button on it. I had to hit. Oh, okay. <laughs> All good. <laughs> you know, carrying on on the uh, run game, it was pretty impressive to see what they're doing, but uh, what was I think Tennessee was the number one run defense in the SEC until Saturday, yeah. and now we have Kentucky being the number two run defense. <laughs> I think until Saturday, I have a feeling that uh, their numbers that they've been able to put up had a lot to do with their competition. I think so too, man. I tell you this. Uh... This is going to be a trench warfare game coming up. You know, everybody was pointing to Kentucky's offensive lines and defensive lines coming into this season. And one reason they were if, – if they were picking Kentucky to finish second in the East, it was because of what they can do up front. Uh, and you – know, but we've heard that about Kentucky, and I've said this uh, a lot, you know, ever since uh, – I, th- I still think they get a whole lot of love. Are they better than what they used to be? Yeah. I still think they get a whole lot of love, maybe too much love from that 2018 season and it carrying over from season to season to season uh, now. I mean, th- th- this is a team that were, a lot of people were quietly picking last year to make a lot of noise in the SEC. And I know 2020 was weird and 2020 was different, but Kentucky did not look all that great there in, in 2020. And now they get a transfer quarterback in. He's supposed to be the answer. They're supposed to open up the offense a bit more uh, there. You're, they're still leaning on the run game uh, uh, a good bit. That's what their offense is still going to be based on. But now it's more, you know, trying to play action and, and hit some more deep shots there with Levis, the quarterback. Um, but I mean, this is going to be this is going to be a, a trench warfare game. This is going to be a nasty game up front, both sides of the line of scrimmage uh, there. So you'll see. I mean, wh- whoever wins Saturday night, it will be based on what you do in the trenches. Right, I, I, I'm really looking forward to it. I think this is going to be a knockdown, drag out. I won't necessarily say classic SEC slobber knocker because I think both teams have some explosiveness uh, in, in that regard as well. But it's, it's going to be nasty up front on this one. Well, I was watching the game yesterday, the uh, 
Kentucky South Carolina game. I thought that Covassier Smoke was going to be their number one, their RB one. Definitely that kid. I uh, hope I get his name back. Gonzalez. Uh, he was yeah, the, yeah. he was their workhorse man. He did everything for me. He's a good runner. He averaged a lot. Like what was it? Uh, four and a half, five yards a run. That's pretty good. Yeah, uh, that was against uh, you know South Carolina uh, after the week after you know getting blown out by Georgia uh, there. So we'll see. Uh, yeah, I, I I am interested. The reason they brought Levis in uh, was to open up the offense a bit more and 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 to see if they can open 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 up more in the passing game. And we'll see how much they respect Florida's defensive line after you know Florida's performance versus Alabama a couple of weeks ago. Uh, you know, Tennessee did get some chunk yardage uh, in the run game with their tempo, and uh, you know maybe Florida playing, maybe trying to overcompensate for stopping the big play a bit there in the second half, you know, starting that second half last week versus Tennessee. Uh, so I'm interested in seeing, you know, if Kentucky was like, well, you know, maybe we don't want to try the run game early, see if we can steal a big passing play because you know, we've seen far to give them up. Uh, they're maybe trying to steal it there or Georgia. They just try and come out right away uh, and establish the run game because that's their identity. So I do uh, – it's – Going to be an interesting uh, little battle there uh, Saturday night. There, I'd, li- I'd like to see Florida, you know, reverse the reverse the trend, get off to a fast start uh, on offense, and put some take that crowd out of it early. Anyway, uh, but uh, I- I'm looking forward to this game Saturday. I think there's a few ways to look at this and, and how to attack it from Kentucky side of things. Well, one have one last point to break into actually two points. One was when you get a chance to watch the Kentucky South Carolina game, you see that this Levis kid, he didn't look so great. Yeah. I mean, he reminded me a lot of Herndon from, uh, from what's that called from uh, Tennessee. Yeah, or was, is that his name, uh, Herndon? Uh, Hendon? Hendon, Hendon Hooker. Yeah, Hendon Hooker. Gotcha. Uh, he was like he was all right. I mean, he wasn't making any great plat passes, but that leads me to onto my last point, which is, has to do with the defense and the secondary. I mean, as we talked about last night, had he been a little more accurate, that could have been a very different ball game. Because there yeah. was a lot of open Tennessee wide receivers, and yeah, I was—I mean, there was drops there too by Tennessee. You know that one uh, mesh crossing route that they had that was just dropped. That's right. So when we say you know, we're cheering Ick, we shut them out in the second half. We were fortunate to shut them out in the second half. It's not like oh, I think our secondary has turned a corner. I don't think so. Uh, and we've always said that nothing makes a Grantham defense look better than a bad quarterback. <laughs> and I and I think that's what happened Saturday, and hopefully it continues on next Saturday. But I don't know how long we can count on that. Uh, even the kid, the backup quarterback from Georgia, who's starting now, uh, Stetson Bennett, he's going to hit those throws. The kid from LSU, he's going to hit those throws. Then what? So yeah, anyway, yeah. Th- that yeah, was my yeah, last man. point, Dave. Thanks. Yeah, man. Yeah, we saw Max Johnson. You know, he, he, did, he did hit those throws uh, last year versus. Uh, Florida when Florida and LSU play so um, that is one thing you know, we did come into this season saying there was not a lot you know not many great quarterbacks in the SEC this year uh, and wonder if they could you know if we did know you know Grant can feast on the, the not not so great quarterbacks in the SEC so we'll see uh, that adjustment you'll get Kyrie them back uh, this week so that, that that'll help in that regard uh, versus Kentucky so uh, but, yeah, I, I think uh, plenty to look forward to in, in how Will Levis and how he performs and how Grantham uh, can, you know, scheme up against, uh, hopefully, you know, another inaccurate quarterback there. <laughs> that can lead to some turnovers. Uh, but, uh, you know, it stinks that we probably have to say, okay, you know, let's uh, 
let's feast on the not so good quarterbacks. Uh, you, you like to see him show up, and uh, I think that you know, that LSU game uh, versus you know LSU and Max Johnson will be a good test um, as far as far as secondary and a uh, quarterback that has proven somewhat that he can pass the ball uh, more so than what Florida has played so far this year. Um, you know, you had Max Johnson those last couple games last year versus Florida versus Ole Miss, proving he can throw the ball. Uh, now you had Bryce Young, of course, and you knew him being an Alabama quarterback. Uh, there was going to be some talent there, and we, and we saw that talent on display. But now um, you probably are not facing another quarterback with any kind of name recognition because of production, Max Johnson versus LSU, and then, of course, uh, the Georgia game as well with JT Daniels just a couple weeks later. So, yeah, I mean, I'm just uh, – there's there's a lot of storylines in this Kentucky game, and uh, you know that, that them finding an OC that wants to open it up a bit more, them going out there and getting a transfer quarterback to open it up a bit more. A bit more. We'll see what that means for their offense. Uh, they get the big win versus Missouri a couple weeks ago, and, and I thought that was a good win. Uh, you know, it was a game I was looking forward to before the season. That week of the game, maybe loses a little luster now. Missouri losing to Boston College this past week, uh, so maybe. Maybe I was hyping Missouri just a little bit too much. <laughs> they they were the team I picked third in the SEC East. Uh, Kentucky's got the head-to-head win now uh, over there. But you know that game went about as about like I thought. I thought it was, I thought it would be a back and forth. I thought it would be a close game between those two. That game was a couple weeks ago uh, there between Kentucky and Missouri. Uh, Kentucky came out with a touchdown victory. I think I think they won by a touchdown. Uh, but you know it was a really close competitive game uh, when you're looking at who most people think are the teams behind Florida and Georgia. But this is the first chance to, for a lot of people to be proven right about not being so high on Florida because of who Florida lost this year uh, and, you know, the the trendy pick of picking Kentucky. Now, when it all came down to it, at SEC media days, Florida was, you know, the majority pick to finish second in the SEC East. But you still see a lot of uh, trendiness of wanting to pick Kentucky uh, second in the SEC East. And that storyline will start Saturday. Uh, there with Florida and Kentucky meet head-to-head on Saturday night. So a lot of people will uh, be looking at that. <laughs> I forget the conversation. I think it was I think it was Vari on, on Twitter, and we were talking about, you know, and, and he's going to be right. I think you're going to see a lot of people picking Tennessee this week or maybe putting Florida on upset alert. But and then I kind of responded with, well, if they're going to hype up Kentucky all week, you know, then when, if, you know, when Florida wins, if Florida beats Kentucky Saturday night, then we better see it reversed. You know, you better be Florida get you better be giving Florida a whole lot of credit too, because not only is it this this week in how Kentucky has played so far this season, it was something we heard all offseason that you know Kentucky was going to be uh, the, the the program, the difference uh, in the SEC East this year by you know uh, uh, by, by finishing second in the SEC East behind Georgia and not Florida. Uh, so we'll see, we'll see what uh, comes Saturday. But you know, if, if a lot of people are going to pick that pick this week and to be a trendy upset alert. And hopefully, you know, Florida gets that same credit there uh, when you know, walk out there with a, walk out of there with a victory on Saturday night. All right, let's see. Some crunch time. I don't. Yep. There you are. Hey, Dave. there you are. Yep. Hey, hey, Dave. How's it going, brother? Good. How about you, man? Hey, I'm one of those idiots that picked. Kentucky to, to finish second, <laughs> <laughs> to finish second, and, and and the reason I did so, like I like I told you in the off season, it was who George, who Florida had to face coming out of the East, uh, play, I mean coming out of the West, Alabama and LSU, and who Kentucky had. So I was one of those guys that did it, guys. 
but I promise you, if Florida wins on Saturday, I will absolutely come on every show and say, hey, Florida, everything is still on the table for you to go back to the SEC championship game. So, hey, Dave, um, I missed it earlier, so if you already touched on this, I apologize for it. But um, how did Florida come out of that Tennessee game as far as a health standpoint? I know uh, Elam was out. Um, is he going to be a full go this weekend um, as far as any other key injuries you're, you're, you're looking at? Yeah, uh, Mullen did say right after the game, if he had to put a label on Elam, he'd be probable this week. So, you mm-hmm. know, some, inter- some NFL terminology there coming out of college. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, probable there for Kyrie Elam. I, I fully expect him back uh, Saturday. No issues there. Um, Anthony Richardson, of course, was brought up as well. Mullen said he'd be a full go in practice today, so no limitations there. Uh, so there's your two big names for as far as injuries go. Florida got beat up up front a little bit uh, on the offensive line. Um, but I haven't heard anything coming out of that as far as any seriousness there. Uh, still don't know really the, 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 the status of Reese, who you know, the right guard, mm-hmm. he, did not, he did not play versus Tennessee Saturday. So we'll right. see, if, see if he's able to go. Uh, DeLance goes down, right tackle. He went with an injury, but he was standing up for most of the game uh, there on, on the sideline, I saw. Uh, and then Kingsley Eglacon, the center for the Gators, went down a couple of times, went the last time was really late in the game. Uh, so we'll see uh, there. I think there might be some bumps and bruises up front. I haven't heard of anything serious there. So I think that's probably just what to look out for is if we get any more updates on the offensive line. Now, we'll talk to Mullen today uh, there. But so offensive line might be what to look out for. And this is definitely a game you don't want that. You'd rather have your horses uh, going against you know, a pretty physical Kentucky front. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, um, yeah, Florida, Florida's – Built some depth there. I talked about that earlier there along the offensive line, but you still like to have your full horses when you go against, you know, probably one of the better SEC teams you'll go against this year. And this Kentucky team, guys, just as a look ahead, and Dave, looking forward to uh, catching up with you uh, over the next couple of days talking about it. Uh, this Kentucky team is absolutely physical up front, both both sides of the ball. So uh, you're definitely going to need to be full go in this, in this matchup. And everything that you guys have already talked about, is still in front of Florida, being able to get back to the SEC championship game. But um, literally the mulligan is out because that that Georgia schedule, it's Cupcake City (laughs) the rest of the way. I mean, good grief, man. Yeah, but, Arkansas is probably better than what we thought, but I still they are. Think, but it, they, yeah, I don't, I don't expect much of a <laughs> even upset of alert at all uh, with Arkansas and Georgia. Uh, there, you know, Auburn. You know, we'll see if a quarterback change happens, and if that, you know, maybe turns the corner for them. Uh, Nick's, of course, isn't the answer, and we all I, know that. I'll, I'll message you later about about some stuff that I, I I got out of out of Auburn as far as that goes. But hey, Florida fans. Hey, your your team is right where, um, honestly, they're ahead of where I thought they would be uh, coming out of that Alabama game. Didn't know if they were going to be the Alabama hangover. Took care of work um, last week against a Tennessee team that's just absolutely finna get just demolished for, for the rest of the season. So, hey, Florida, <laughs> I mean, because their depth, their depth as far as what they lost as far as scholarship players. Right. It, it, it It's the worst I've ever seen. I mean – Penn State didn't even lose this many guys when they could have opted out. So um, everything is in front of Florida right now as far as being able to get back to Atlanta. And that's something I know Dan really is going to be hyping, um, talking about the rest of the year. So, hey, guys, great job, Dave, as always. I'll uh, continue to listen in. All right. Thanks, man. All right. Well, I actually about do it right there. I got to. 
go on, get to work. But guys, thanks for hopping in for another week four recap, Florida, Tennessee, uh, and a little bit of look ahead there, Florida, Kentucky, I think. Uh, you know, kind of ready to turn the page uh, a little bit already. But we'll, uh, Will Miles and I will take a look back uh, what he saw versus Florida and Kentucky or Florida and Tennessee uh, this past week. Uh, we'll look ahead to Kentucky as well. Um, coming up, we'll, we'll see what Dan Mullen has to say at his 1 o'clock press conference. Of course, we'll highlight that on tonight's Gators Breakdown as well. So everybody can listen to that live on YouTube tonight at 8.30. Uh, that'll uh, be greatly appreciated. If not, you can catch a replay, of course. But everybody, thanks once again for all the support, all the uh, interaction here on this Twitter Spaces. You guys make it fun. This is the uh, time of year we live for, and uh, it's been, been, a, been a fun season so far. So that'll do it for this Twitter spaces and I'll catch you guys on the next episode of Gators Breakdown.